0: Hi, everyone. My name's Oscar. I'm a composer. I'm a producer. And I wanted to take you through this epic orchestral adventure track that I've written. People have heard this before. If you followed my channels, you might have heard this piece before. Um, And some people have been asking me to give a breakdown of it, to show how it was written, how I mixed it, how I made it sound. So first, I'm going to play the piece. It's only a minute long. It's called Time Machine. And it accompanied a cute sort of short introduction to a film where this guy discovers a time machine and then he's whirling through space and time um seeing mountains and oceans and things so i'll show you the piece it's about a minute long and then i'll show you some of the key moments how i built those textures up how i wrote the thing so here's the piece That's the piece. That's the mix. I had a lot of fun. You can probably tell from listening to it that I had a lot of fun doing it. Firstly, actually, before I talk about building those orchestral textures, I'll just say something quick about the mix. Um, This was something I was working on. I actually wrote uh, over a year ago, a little, probably longer than that. And I had this idea that instead of trying to make the sampled orchestra sound as clean as possible, you can play into the fact that it's not clean it is sampled instruments playing together, but you can actually play into that by adding saturation and you can see here I've got some saturation plugins in I've got ozone adding um uh, vintage tape even like the idea behind that is that traditionally until you know very recently orchestras would be printed onto tape and there was this kind of analog tape sound that came along with it. And if I played into making it seem as if it was recorded onto tape, then I could make it sound much more real. It wouldn't sound 100% clean and 100% modern and cinematic, but it would sound real because what the tape does, um, even if it's sort of fake tape that that I'm using as plugins, the tape adds this kind of distortion. Uh, this kind of color to the thing. And we're actually very familiar with that color, that distortion from, you know, 90s recordings, early 2000s recordings. You take um, the first Harry Potter score or something. Uh, So that's just a little word about how it was mixed. I decided rather than making it sound 100% as if you were in the room with a real orchestra, which would basically be impossible, I instead thought, what if I used tape and like vintage analog colors to make it sound as if it was older and in that way, make it sound as if it was actually a recording rather than a real performance. Because everyone, if you try and make it sound real, everyone can hear that it samples. But if you put it on tape, you can almost kind of trick yourself into thinking that sounds really real. Um, so that's just a word on the mix. Now, uh, I'll just start at the beginning, even though my favorite bit is the brassy bit towards, well, the last half of it. Um, so... We'll start with the strings. I've got this mix, this is the full mix, but if we just listen to that. So this thing actually started from uh the melody ya, dee, dee, dee. And you know it's rising, ya-da-da. Da, and I, I just figured that melody out on the piano. But then the question is how to create harmony around that. And I really believe in the power of a sort of walking bass line. If you listen, to not just a walking bass line, but a really interesting bass line. <laughs> not just a bass line. That's actually quite musical in its own way. The idea is that it's it's got a lot of movement. The bass line itself has a lot of movement, a lot of interest. And I think this is key. Uh, Brahms himself, uh, you know, really believed in writing the bass line first. It was sort of melody and bass line with then figures over the bass line to indicate the harmony. But the baseline really needs to have a lot of interest, and the baseline is what carries the movement. The baseline is what carries the key changes. So I think that's really key. Now I'll just move on to the next bit. I'll move towards the brass section because that's the bit I really want to talk about. But this, um, let's get on to the real meat of this, which is the big section. So I'll start with just the brass. Let's listen to the brass on their own. In the final mix, I of course added a bit more compression, a bit more colour to make it sound deeper. This is very bright and very sharp. But I, I just wanted to break this down so you can actually see the individual lines. So what's carrying the melody there? The melody is being carried by trombones. Um, we'll hear them on their own. Just. Uh Is doubling them an octave down and the bass trombone. So it's all the trombones and the tuba, all those um brass section. It's, on its own, it's not an ugly, it's it's not a pretty sound. But then when you're sort of feeding it together in the full mix, you can get rid of that harshness and make it sound more beautiful. But I just I just want to focus on the music so we can let go of the uh of the uh nasty brass sounds and just focus on how I've orchestrated it. And then uh how I added excitement and interest to that is with a trumpet. If I just play the trumpet on its own, the trumpet part, it's going... So it's just building up harmony. But the main thing to take into account is the rhythm. And, you know, I didn't invent this trick. I This is something that John Adams does, something that Don Davis does in his Matrix scores. Um, and it's just this rhythm of... So it's, you know, dotted rhythms and triplets. Sometimes it's eight-note triplets. Sometimes it's quarter-note triplets and things. It's keeping... The rhythm on edge if you if you repeat the same rhythm too many times it gets very predictable and very boring but if you've got something like so every bar it's the same sort of thing but every bar is a little bit different and that's keeping us on edge, even if you don't quite realise it at the time. That's keeping that excitement there. And then there's the horn solo, well, sorry, it says solo horns, but it's actually a choir of horns doing something slightly different. So whereas the trumpets were doing triplet rhythms, the horns are doing standard eighth notes. Bum, 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 one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, bum, 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 you know, very simple. And so when you put those standard eighth notes together with those triplet eighth notes, you get something quite interesting. quite nice about that orally as well is that the trumpets are on the right side and the horns of course are on the left side and so you get these two slightly different rhythms happening at the same time they might sound weird on their own but then when you put the whole thing together um it really does work i think See how that that all works. That all comes together, um, and then the horns join in for that big. Bah, 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 all four horns are going. So let's move on to the woodwinds for this moment, which are doing something quite different. So if you count that, I'm hoping my microphone will will time with Cubase properly so that I can uh, count this. But it's. 1 2 3 4 So I'm hoping that timed properly. These little wind runs, it's just four notes, brum you know, semiquavers and then a note at the end of it like a, a stab, you could call it. But they're happening on offbeats, bum you brum know, brum brum It's Again, like, keeping it rhythmically exciting by not just doing the same thing every bar. Um, And it's adding that texture, that excitement at the top end of the spectrum in in the woodwinds. And then the bassoons are doing their own little thing. They're actually doing something similar to what the strings are doing. But um, they're just doing quick semi quavers. Not a fun part for a bassoon player, I must say. So they're just outlining the harmony in two parts. So if I play all of the winds together now, okay, and then we get to this ba 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 ba, and all the all the winds are going to do now is downward arpeggios. If you listen to this. it's actually you know the texture when you put everything together it sounds complex but every individual element is really quite simple in a way and now i'm finally going to show you what the strings are doing the strings i sort of took this from don davis from his matrix scores um they're doing something which is just adding to this intense texture without creating any sort of significant melodic or contrapuntal material of their own so if you listen to this Here, the basses and cello's going, yeah, or the bass elise is going yeah, ba, it's playing the melody. Everything else, though, is just ostinatos on semi-quavers, um, just outlining the harmony. So, nothing that special. But then when we get to the bum 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 bum, here's where the strings really take over. cellos and basses, I think it's just the cellos and basses have the melody there. Um, they, they're they going... So to sum up, everyone who has that melody is... Um, cellos and basses have that melody, the trombones, bass trombone and tuba have that melody, all four horns have that melody, and the bassoons have that melody. So, um, Altogether, you know, it really is a powerful low melody because basically every low instrument in the orchestra is taking charge of that. And I haven't even talked about percussion yet, but on top of that, the timpani. So that really, the timpani not only adds to to the sustain of the note, but it adds to the front of it. Bang, 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 bang. Really adds to that front. Um, but meanwhile, while that's happening, the violins and viola, violos, are going. Oh, actually, the viola takes that melody too because she's a uh, a uh, sort of tenor baritone instrument. So, so one of the ways that I've tried to create interest is these differing rhythms across the piece. That you and the trumpets you got and uh meanwhile in the horns you got eighth notes bum 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 and then later on well the the, the woodwinds are doing quick semi quavers of well, more than that uh 32th notes or whatever sixty-fourth notes who knows and um the violins are going yad two three four five six yad-dee-dee-dee-dee um when we change time signature in 3 there so it's but all these different rhythmic elements in such a short space of time really create this this kind of whirlwind effect i think uh, so that is the bulk of it that i hope you enjoyed that the first sort of track breakdown on this channel uh, of course there's more i've got a composing course which takes you through the process that I've used. I know many, many working composers and many composers through history used to sort of come up with creative ideas, turn those ideas into music step by step turning those creative ideas into a plan and then turning that plan into music and then editing your music and mixing your music and everything. I put it all in a course because I know a lot of people wanted that information. You can find information down below. But I hope you enjoyed this breakdown. There will definitely be more to come. So subscribe to this channel, like this video, leave a comment, let me know how you found it or let me know what you'd like to see next. Uh, And thank you for watching.